tonight uh, looking primarily at one verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, talking about wisdom and, and what wisdom looks like in the life of a believer. How do we obtain wisdom and how do we live out wisdom through the Word of God? And as you turn there, again, Proverbs chapter 1, just to, just to give you the theme, if you will, uh, of Proverbs, really is wisdom. In fact, Solomon opens up this book, and he says, The Proverbs of so Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, he says, It is for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instructions in righteousness, justice, and integrity. Solomon opens up this book to say that it is for wisdom. The purpose of this book, the purpose of his writing, certainly through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and just verse 7 is where we're going to look at in just a moment. But how? The question for the believer is how can we live lives of wisdom? The simple answer to that question is make wise choices, right? But is it really quite that simple? Because believers know that, they hear it, they'll acknowledge it, but even in the life of many Christians, they are not living wise biblical lives. So is, is just simply saying, make wise choices enough? Is it enough just to know what the wise choice to do is? I believe that we'll see the answer to that in the Word of God tonight. For I often, uh, and I think you could probably attest to the same. We often hear of, of people, and even in our own lives sometimes, making unwise decisions. God's people making unwise decisions in His church. We see wives that, that leave their husbands. We see husbands that, that, that cheat on their wives. We see children that are constantly disrespectful to their parents. We see people of God practicing sin in their homes. We have churches that do not have unity, uh, that have a broken bond. We see churches that are certainly not honoring and glorifying Christ with what they do, even in their worship services. So is it enough just to say, make wise choices? I don't think that's enough. I want to ask the question, why, even when God gives us clear instructions in His Word, why is it? that even God's people make unwise decisions, and sometimes constantly. And I think that as, as we begin to answer that question in our minds, we will soon realize that an unwise decision almost always stems from a mindset of being self-centered, looking out for numero uno, if you will. And this is scriptural, if you think about it in Places in, in, in the Bible, when we see unwise and sinful decisions being made, you can track it back to the focus of oneself. The very first sin, the, the, the sin of Eve in the garden, she wanted to be like God. The Israelites collectively built the golden calf because they were tired of waiting on the Lord. Moses striking the rock in disobedience to God, letting his own anger get the better of him. Samson thought that he was strong enough on his own. King David saw Bathsheba and he wanted her for himself. 
Jonah wanted to watch Nineveh suffer. Even Judas, a greedy individual who wanted the money for himself. You see, all these individuals acted in a foolish, unwise, and sinful way because they were focused on themselves, not on others, not on the Lord, not on the ways of God. You see, wisdom, contrary to the popular belief of of many in our secular world, wisdom is living life God's way. It's wisdom. Again, the book of Proverbs is referred to as the book of wisdom. Written by Solomon, we see practical advice for life and godliness. So let's pray, and we're going to look at verse 7 and and dissect it a little bit and, and, and talk about it for just a little while. Heavenly Father, God, we're thankful for you. God, what a privilege it is to be in your house. God, we pray that, God, what we've already done has been pleasing in your sight. Father, we're thankful that we can gather and we can worship you in this way. And God, we can do so and lift our voices high to you without fear of persecution. God, we're so richly blessed. God, we pray that through your word tonight, God, that you would shape us, mold us, and make us into the individual that you would have us to be. Father, may the desire of our hearts tonight, our heart cry, be that we are the pot, or you are the potter, and that we are the clay, Lord. Change us tonight through the power of your word. And all we say and ask in the name of Christ, amen. Looking at verse 7, again, understanding the theme of Proverbs, this is what Solomon says. He says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So I think to begin, we need to ask the question, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? What, is it, what does it look like? Well, Solomon says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord. Now, this phrase is used many times throughout Scripture. You, you will see it over and over, especially if you read through the Psalms. You'll see the fear of the Lord over and over. And it means something very different than some people may take it. You see, when we say that we fear something, oftentimes we mean that we are scared of it. In the biblical context, it means to have the utmost respect, honor, or reverence for. See, when the Bible says to fear the Lord, it is saying to have respect, reverence of the deepest kind for God who he is. And that is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. That is where wisdom begins. It's where it starts, is having that reverence for the Lord. Do you respect, revere, have faith in God that he knows what he's doing, that his ways are the best ways, and that his plan is always the right plan? And again, that seems simple, right? So, so why is it that many, e- even us, I'm sure, we can look back on our life and we can see the unwise decisions that we've made. I know that I can. So why is biblical wisdom sometimes rare in the life of a believer? Well, it's because we're blinded by sin. And in some cases, we're, we're shaped by sin. Here's the deal. When we fear God, 
we have an outlook and an understanding of the consequences of our own sin. When we have the fear of the Lord, we really think of how this may impact ourselves and the people around us, the sinful decisions that we make. When we rebel against God, when we freely act upon our own fleshly desires, it leads to destruction. We don't consider the consequences of our sin. We are simply wanting to feed the flesh, and, and oftentimes it's, it's an impulsive decision. But again, when we truly fear the Lord, realizing the consequences of our sin, we recognize our need for a Savior. We understand our total dependence on the Lord, and this is the beginning of wisdom. You see, the Christian life that is living a life of Biblical wisdom is consistently submitting themselves to the lordship of Christ. This is not a, a popular term that's used in churches today, but I hope that you can say tonight that, that Christ has lordship over your life, that he is literally lord over you, and that he is lord over all in your life. And, and, and if you really think about that, it, it, it's, it's the idea of complete submission to a king, right? That, that, that God, that Christ Jesus has all authority over your life. That's what giving the lordship to Christ means. We must understand that wisdom is not something that we're going to receive from our own self or, or from another person. It's not something that we're, that's going to come naturally. It's not just something that's going to happen. True wisdom doesn't come from self-help or, or life lessons. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard the term that with age comes wisdom? You ever heard that? I heard that growing up. I, I've, I've heard it now, and I think I'm not an old guy. I'm a young guy. But I think the older I get, the more I realize how much baloney that is. It's not, it's not really true. In fact, I'm sure... All of us could probably attest. We have seen many people that have been around for a long time that make very unwise decisions and make them pretty constantly. So does wisdom really come with age? I think some wisdom can come through the experience of someone's age, but that doesn't mean they're going to act upon it, right? doesn't mean they're going to live that out. With age comes wisdom. I don't really know if that's true. In fact, only through God and His Word can we receive true wisdom. We have to trust Him, fear Him completely in order to receive wisdom. Now, the world looks at, at wisdom and they, uh, they translate it as, as someone that, that is being that, that, that's smart, right? Someone that, that has a lot of knowledge. Someone that, uh, that has amassed a, a lot of textbook understanding, if you will. But biblical wisdom goes so much further than that. The biblical definition of wisdom is a lot different than man's perception of wisdom. And really, if we want to put it very simply, the fear of the Lord, the beginning of knowledge, there are two parts to biblical wisdom. It's knowing what the right thing to do is and then doing it. Right now, the first part can come pretty easily sometimes, knowing what the right thing to do is. In fact, even the world 
in many times because of the moral code that God has written on the tablet of our heart knows what the right thing to do is, but acting upon it and doing the right thing is where most people stumble, where they fall short, where they cannot go through with it. See, there's a lot of people. Again, a lot of people, a lot of folks in the church that know what the right thing to do is. They know their Bibles. They know what the Bible says is right. What God says is, is the difference between right and wrong, but their impulses lead them to do otherwise. In the case of living a wise and God-honoring life, it means you know what God's Word says and you live it out. In fact, James puts it like this, that we are to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. There's a lot of hearers out there, but we must be doers See, with real wisdom, putting God's way of life into action, there's a sense of comfort and protection that comes with that. Solomon in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Do not abandon wisdom, and she will watch over you. Love her, and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom, and whatever else you get, get understanding. You see, wisdom or living life, according to God's word, it protects you. And it really, if you think about it, it makes sense. God's way is the best way for your life. I hope every believer acknowledges that tonight, that God's way is always the best way. And the ability to live out God's way protects you from all of the alternatives that you might choose. Now, of course, just because we make wise choices... Just because we live our lives according to God's word and we strive to do what is right in the sight of the Lord doesn't mean that you're protected from all manner of bad things that happen to you. Now, that kind of mindset would not line up with Scripture. If you have quarrel with that, look at the apostles. <laughs> all manner of bad things happen to them. And sometimes others around you make choices in life that affect you. You have to live with the, the consequences of the actions of others. Also, the Bible makes, makes it clear that sometimes God allows certain things to happen to you in the process of your own sanctification, right? To, 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 to bring you to a place where the Lord wants you, right? To continue to conform you to the image of His Son. If you were in Sunday school this, this past Sunday, we looked at Job. And man, what a life of someone who suffered greatly but continued to live a life of godliness and of wisdom. Now, if you just, just the first couple verses of Job, you'll, you'll start to see some tragedy befall him, but you'll also see that the Bible doesn't point out that these things are happening to him because of his sin. In fact, it says that he was a righteous man, a godly man. He loved the Lord. But these terrible things happen to him. You see, there's a hard truth that is difficult for us to swallow sometimes. And it's that sometimes bad things happen to God's people so that God can be glorified through it. We know this from another instance in John chapter 9. Jesus is with his disciples 
And it says that as Jesus passed by, he saw a man that was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him and said, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered and said that it was neither that his that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the work of God might be displayed in him. Now again, without the right perspective, that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. That sometimes bad things happen to God's people so that God can be glorified through it as, as he rectifies things and makes things right. It's exactly what happened to Joseph, right? Joseph said, in response to his brothers, where he could have had them killed. Joseph responds to his brothers. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now, I want to stop there for just a second because that, that is a very powerful portion of Scripture. I don't want to get off too much on a tangent here, but I want us to get that. Because he says, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. He doesn't say what man means for evil, God has to pick up the pieces and, and fix and, and make sure he makes it right. No, he says that the very act that men meant for evil, God meant that very act for good. It's powerful. And that's what happens in the life of a believer sometimes. But dark and difficult times will come. They will come for the believer. Jesus prepares us for that. And, and, and God never promises otherwise. But what he does promise is this, is Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The God has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. God will never abandon us. God will always see us through no matter what difficult times we go through. No matter what tragedy may befall us, God is with His people. So even, even when life seems to be falling apart, when, even when we, we have strived to make godly decisions and live life God's way, the Lord is still there. So living biblically wise doesn't mean that bad things won't happen, but it does mean that you are under the protection of the will of the Almighty God who the Bible says was and is and is to come. That's an understanding of wisdom. Now, how do we, how do we practice wisdom? How do we really put wisdom into practice? Well, as you read the book of Proverbs, you will see that one, one major point is that we must depend on God. And this seems like a no-brainer, right? Yeah, the Christians should depend on God. But how often do we make choices because it's what we want to do, and then we end up being convicted over those things, paying the price for the bad decisions? We've all been there many times. You see, it's always the right thing to do life God's way. Even when your flesh wants to do something that's contrary to what the Word of God would say and, 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 and what, you, what, what the Word would have you do, we must trust the Lord that His way is better. See, the starting point to practicing wisdom is to depend on the Lord daily. 
trusting that His way is always the best and right way for you. It's living out Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. This is a common, common passage of Scripture that many of us may even be able to quote by heart. But man, we need, we need, to, we need to wrestle with this passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding, but in all your ways know Him, and He will make your paths straight. You catch that? You cannot rely on your own understanding. You can't depend on your understanding. You can't depend on how you see things and, and what you think is right. You must rely on the Lord in all of your ways. Acknowledge Him, know Him, and He will make your path straight. Why is it hard at times to trust God's way rather than our own way? Because we like to have control. We don't, we don't like the idea of not being in control. We don't like the idea of, of relinquishing control to someone else, even if it is Almighty God. Our flesh wrestles with that. We must learn to pray for wisdom, humbling ourselves, acknowledging our own foolishness without the Lord. We need God's wisdom to give us direction in our lives. Do you know the Bible compares us as sheep to God the shepherd over 25 times in Scripture. Over 25 times. We're, we're the sheep, and He is the shepherd, right? Even Jesus says that He is the good shepherd. Now, why is that? It's because sheep are dumb. Now, that's not to say that God has not created us to be intelligent individuals. Certainly, He has. But that is to say that the wisdom of God is, is far beyond us. God is so much more infinitely wise than we are, that we are like sheep to the shepherd. You know, I learned this doing a little bit of, of research this week. Did you know that if sheep are, are on their back and they can't get up, they will wrestle with the wind try, trying, to, trying to get back up? That's wild. Like somehow they think that they're just going to catch something and... Now they can move again. Now, of course, we don't do things like that, do we? When it comes to spiritually speaking, yeah, sometimes we do. You see, we are directionless without the Lord. We need Him. You need Him. We need to depend on Him, on His ways. Have you ever, have you ever pondered what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 18 when He's talking about a childlike faith? And it's a wonderful passage of Scripture. Matthew 18, verses 2 through 4, he says, And he called a child to himself, and he set him before them, and he said, Truly I say to you, that unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Ever wondered what Jesus was talking about there? You see, some will wrongfully use this text to mean that we don't, and they'll say that it means that we don't need to have an understanding of God's Word. We don't need to strive to have correct theology. No, we just have to have faith like a child that is innocent and ignorant. 
And certainly that's not what Jesus is saying. That would be contrary to and contradicting to, to many scriptures. You see, when Jesus is talking about the childlike faith, he is saying that we need to have an ultimate dependence on God. The same way that a child has dependency on their father. You see, a child may not understand why a father does what he does or why a father allows certain things to happen the way that they do. But when the rubber meets the road and fear and danger come, where does the child run? The child runs to their father for protection, for safety, because the child trusts their father with their life. He trusts that the father is capable And you see, we must trust that our Heavenly Father is capable and knows what He's doing, even when our own understanding may not allow us to see it. Because again, going back to Proverbs, you can't trust your understanding. So we must acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways. Again, seeking godly wisdom every day. Praying, asking the Lord for for wisdom that that can only be provided by Him. And I believe that if if we'll put this into practice and and ask God's guidance, ask for the Lord's guidance every day, it's an opportunity for us to be reminded of how much we need Him, how much we truly must depend on Him for our purpose in life. You see, the great value of asking God for wisdom or, or really anything else from the Lord is it, is it keeps us focused on the things of God. It keeps us focused on, on knowing that I can't do this without the Lord. And, and you see, the, the believer acknowledges not only can we not do this, the, 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 the walk with Christ on our own, certainly we need the help of the Holy Spirit, that we can't really do life right without the Lord. I mean, on our own, we're going to make terrible decisions. We're we're going to live in an unwise way. We need the guidance of the Lord and His Word every day. When we sincerely want to know Him, His purpose, and we can pray with confidence and, and, and expect that He's going to come through and guide us. Because you know what? He promises that if we will pray in accordance to His will, then He'll give it. Isn't that wonderful? That if we pray in accordance to the will of God, not our own will, not our own desires, but if we pray in accordance to God's will, for our hearts to be aligned with His will, He will grant what we're asking. So first we depend on the Lord. Next, then more of a practical thing, and and certainly Solomon talks about this on several occasions, to, to think before we act. You see, every action has consequences. So we must learn to think things through before we make a decision. Not making decisions that are based on our emotions. And if we, and if we live life that way, just, just going off what our emotions are telling us to do, we're going to make a lot of regretful decisions. Proverbs 13, verse 16 says, Every sensible person acts knowledgeably, but a fool displays his stupidity. You see, the fool acts on impulse. The fool acts on their flesh, and and just what they feel is right in the moment. 
How often do we think before we act? How long do we act before we think? Sometimes we, we just react to a situation without thinking. We can get angry, fly off the handle about something that really doesn't matter. We can say something hurtful because we took something the wrong way. We make poor and sinful decisions because we don't think things through. And we could go on and on. We could give example after example. But we would make a lot more wise decisions in our life if we would just pause before acting, before responding. Asking the Lord for guidance. Asking the Lord to help us not respond in the flesh. You know, I think, I think we could benefit from, and I, I really don't know how long it was around before I came on the scene in, in, in 92, but when I was a kid and even in my teenage years, WWJD was huge, right? I mean, you saw it all over the place, right? WWJD, what would Jesus do? And, you know, at the time, it was almost cliche, right? You saw it, you saw bracelets, T-shirts. It was almost cliche in the, in the church. But, man, I think we need to bring that mentality back. Asking the question, what would Jesus do in this situation? Not, not in a way to think that we can always respond the way Christ would, but certainly in the mindset that we want to be Christ-like, that we want to live our life the way that, that Jesus would want us to live, making choices in a way that Jesus would make choices, right? That's, that's, that's living life God's way. What would Jesus do? And doing this, believe it, listen to me, doing this will save you a lot of grief. It'll save you, it'll save your family a lot of heartache. We must consider what, what the outcome of our choices might be before we make rash decisions. And again, that, that doesn't mean that we... It means we don't, don't make impulsive decisions. It means that we don't wait until the last minute. We're, we're seeking the Lord constantly, right? There's a bumper sticker that says, As long as there are tests, there will always be prayer in public schools. Now let that sink in for a second, right? As long as there are tests, there will always be prayer in public schools. The idea is that as long as kids are, are having to be tested, that they're always going to be praying. Saying, Lord, help me. Give me the answers to this. This test right now, and I've told our teenagers that if you try that, God's going to leave you on your own. It's not how it works, right? But that's the mentality of some, right? When it comes to our walk with Christ, when it comes to, to making biblical decisions that we're, we're just, we, we call upon the Lord only when, when we need Him really bad right now. Last second decisions rarely turn out well. You know, I, I hope that in my life, when, when my life comes to an end, that I will be able to say something similar to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Man, this is just such a, such a wonderful goal in, in the Christian's life to have. He says this. He says, For the wisdom of the Lord is foolishness to God, where since it is written... He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasoning 
of the wise are futile. And Paul got it. He understood that the ways of the world are not right. Not right. And they never will be. In fact, they're, they're kind of backwards. And Paul says that the, that the wisdom of man is the foolishness of God. Maybe, maybe, maybe putting it this way, the, the wisest decision that we could ever make, the wisest decision we could ever make on our own is foolishness to God. For His ways are far better than our ways. Our wisdom is, is nothing compared to the wisdom of God. When it comes to real life issues, human help pales in comparison to God's wisdom and help. If you've ever read the book, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, if you've never read it and, and don't know much about it, it is probably uh, the best piece of Christian allegory that's ever been written. John Bunyan, uh, Pilgrim's Progress. And in the book, the, the character Christian who is uh, walking this life of faith uh, to try to make it to the celestial kingdom, right? Trying to make it, trying to get to heaven. And on his journey, one of the first characters he meets, and he meets many, many different characters that lead him astray, or, or attempt to at least. And one of the first characters he runs into is Mr. Worldly Wise. And Mr. Worldly Wise convinces Christian that there's a better way. That there's a faster way to the celestial kingdom and there's an easier way. And, and he doesn't have to go through all these difficult things to get there. And he doesn't have to, and, and worldly wise literally tells him, you don't have to listen to that book to get there. So Christian listens to Mr. Worldly Wise and it, without the help of character Mr. Evangelist, it would have led to his destruction. Second Corinthians chapter 1, Indeed, this is our boast, that the testimony of our confidence is that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you with godly sincerity and purity, not by human wisdom, but by God's grace. May we as believers be able to say that we have conducted ourselves with godly sincerity and and with purity by God's grace. Lastly tonight, as we close, the believer, and I believe as we see what Solomon has written, we'll come to an understanding that we have to use failure as a teacher. And man, if anybody knew this well, it was Solomon. Solomon had... A lot of wisdom. But again, he did not act on it always. And it led down a terrible path for him. Solomon lived with a lot of regret. In the Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, he says, Though a righteous person falls seven times, he will get up. But the wicked will stumble into ruin. You see, the truth is that, that you're going to make unwise decisions. You've done that. Those, those decisions are going to have negative, negative consequences. 
that's not an excuse. That does not mean that, that we just throw up our hands and say, well, I'm, I'm human, that's just what's going to happen. No, we, we strive to be Christ-like. We strive to honor the Lord in what we say and do. But we will mess up. And when we do, we need to use that as a, a learning experience. Use that, that failure as a teacher. Don't just go through the pain of your bad decision. Learn from it. It's been said before that experience is not what happens to you, but instead how you react to it. In fact, just for a moment, I want you to think about a poor decision that you've made in your life that had negative consequences. Take a second. Some of us, it won't take long at all. Now think about the consequences that that decision led to. And the big question, because you can't go back and change it, there's nothing you can do about it now but repent and turn to Christ. So the big question is, what did you learn from it? Did it teach you anything? Did it teach you to honor the Lord? Did it teach you to trust the Lord? You see, some of the wisest people that I know have made some extremely unwise decisions in their life, sinful decisions in the past, but they did not keep making them over and over and over. They learned from them. They understood that God's ways are far better than our ways. So, and we must do the same. We must trust the Lord. Making a daily commitment to wisdom. Making wise choices is not effortless, right? It, it's, and again, it's not going to come natural to us. And it's certainly not something the believer can do and just say, oh, well, I'm just going to let the Lord do it, right? Sometimes there's this mentality, and, and certainly all, all good things in our life come from the Lord, right? All the good things that are produced through us and to us are from the Lord. Don't, certainly are. But that doesn't mean that the Christian just says, oh, well, I'm just going to let the Lord do whatever, right? We, we certainly have to be obedient. We, we, we have to live our lives and according to the Word of God, it takes commitment. Because if we're honest, we don't. Our flesh doesn't want to live the wise way. Oftentimes, we, we want to rebel against the wisdom of the Lord. So we must commit to it. And I believe that committing to making biblically wise decisions has to come from a desire, a passion, and a drive to honor the Lord. We must study, love, and cherish the Word of God. We must submit ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. Again, giving Christ Lordship. A very eye-opening and, and special passage for me in the past year or two has been John 17, 17. And it's Jesus as he is praying the high priestly prayer not long before he is crucified. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying for believers. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying to the Father for many things. And in John 17, 17, he says, Sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. Sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. Church, 
We are sanctified through the Word of God. And, and, and not just through the knowledge of the Word of God, but through obedience to the Word of God as well. Right? Again, not just being hearers of the Word, but being doers also. We are sanctified by the truth of the Word of God. We must fear the Lord. We must obey the Lord. We must trust the Lord. Trusting Him in, in, in everything. Well, of all of our hearts, Proverbs says. And this is how we live with wisdom. This is how the believer makes wise decisions. And look, this is how the believer makes wise decisions in every area of life. Financially, spiritually, decisions for yourself, decisions for your family, decisions for your, your career, whatever it may be. This is how the believer makes wise decisions is by submitting themselves to the Word of God. Now, I've told my teenagers before, and, 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 and I try to remind them from time to time about this because I, as a young man, when I came to Christ, I was so confused about the will of God for my life. Because for so long, by I believe, well-meaning individuals. The will of God for my life was kind of painted like either a, a, a puzzle that I, I was waiting for pieces for and, and eventually God was going to send me these pieces and once I got the right piece, it was all going to fit together and it was just going to make sense. And, and that's how God's will worked. Or, you know, you hear the, the, the neon sign approach where you're just waiting for the right sign from God and He's going to point you in the right direction and, and you just got to wait for, for that. That's not how the Bible paints God's will. Romans chapter 12, Paul makes it pretty clear that if we allow the Word of God to transform our thinking, we live in obedience to the Word of God, Paul says we do that so that we may know the perfect will of God. You want to know the will of God for your life is? It's between the binding of His Word. It's right here. It's, it's not a mystery, right? It's, it's not a puzzle. It's not a neon sign that you're waiting for. Now, may, may there be some decisions that you're making that you have to wait on the Lord for? Well, yeah, we see that in the life of believers. But God's will for your life is right here. So we be obedient to that. We, we live in, in life making decisions that are based on the Word of God. And believers, we won't and can't go wrong. Living with wisdom, fear the Lord, beginning of wisdom, beginning of knowledge, trusting the Lord in everything that we do. Not leaning on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledging Him trusting Him, turning to Him, having that, that, that childlike faith where we trust Him in everything that we do, even when our flesh says it doesn't make sense. We trust Him, and we do life God's way. And again, church, we can't go wrong. Live with wisdom. Heavenly Father, God, we are thankful for You. God, we, we pray Your blessing 
over us tonight. Father, may we live our lives according to your word. Father, may we trust you in everything that we do. Father, may we desire to live lives of wisdom for you. God, may, may our hearts, and no matter what life may throw at us, no matter how difficult things may be, no matter how easy things may be, Father, may we have the desire that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do all for the glory of God. May we live our lives with wisdom that comes only from you. And all as we say and ask in the name of Christ, amen. Amen. You are dismissed.